would be impossible to do the broken series through the Bible that we're doing without taking a stop at uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Um, the verses that are read uh, every Sunday as we come uh, to the table and the reason we're just doing things differently this morning is obviously um, I don't want to come and preach after we have done the table. I want to lead us to the point of the table and then, and then come back and worship so the focus is not on the word that is being preached, but obviously um, what God has done for us uh, through his son, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, and so we, as we look at the broken this, this morning, we, we, we're drawn this morning to the attention of, of simply what, what Jesus Christ went through for each and every one of us. When you do something sort of uh, week in, week out, habitually, uh, as we do, we never want to lose the symbolism, what this represents as we come every Sunday because there's something about what we do at the table that brings us all together in a sense of unity and equality. Uh, that in a sense, there was none of us that is better than, than anyone this morning. We don't come and there is an order of people that can come to the table, such as the most important people, those who carry position, those who have been saved longer. There, there is none of that when we come to the table. Each of us comes this morning equally because of what Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us. So regardless of our age this morning, our background, our education, uh, anything else, how long we've been saved this morning. I said, none of that makes any difference as we come to the table because of the focus being on what Christ has done um, for us. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at this morning. What, does it, what did Jesus mean when he said, this is my body uh, broken for you? Uh, you will have heard lots of different um, accounts of what Jesus went through uh, for each and every one of us and this morning through the word that I bring and as Athena leads us at the table we're going to be focusing just on that this morning what what he did for me and you and the proper response at the end is not just to close the meeting in prayer and we all go home the proper response at the end is we we, we come back to him and worship and give thanksgiving for what he has done. Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians 11, and you will know if you're here every Sunday that we read these. And, and he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, we also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death uh, till he comes. And so we're going to take a look this morning. Well, what does it mean that this is my body broken for you? If you read John 19 and the crucifixion account there in John there was a time that the soldier pierced his side uh, to see really if he was dead and the other soldiers came to break the legs of Christ and the two robbers. They noticed that Jesus Christ had already died. Therefore, they did not break his legs. So verse 36 in John 19 informs us that these things are done, that scripture should be fulfilled. Jesus Christ 
As I've said many times before, he's the fulfiller and the fulfillment of all God's promises. When you read the New Test the Old Testament and you there there are prophecies in there which speak of what Jesus will do, over three hundred that he fulfills in the New Testament. This is this is one of them here, because in the Psalms it tells us that not one of his bones shall be broken. But we know the anguish and the pain and the suffering that Jesus Christ went through for, for each and every one of us on his journey uh, to the cross. In John Gill's exposition of the Bible, he says, For though a bone of him was not broken, his skin and flesh were torn and broken by blows with rods and fists, by whippings and scourging, by thorns, nails and spears. We, we know the, the physical beating that Jesus took as he went on the journey uh, to the cross, the whippings and, and the, the torture and everything else that, that, that he went through. You know, Jesus comes on the night before he goes to the cross and he, he simply, he breaks bread as a symbol of his body being wounded, bruised and broken through buffeting, scourging, plaiting of a crown of thorns which was put on his head, piercing his sides and feet with nails and his side with a spear, for which reason the right of breaking a bread in this ordinance ought literally and strictly to be observed. Why do I say all this? Because there, there must come a point sometimes in our journey as, as believers and, and as a church where we're just drawn back to, uh, and, and I take responsibility for this, uh, our sermons are not just good advice for people and wise counsel for people and good guidance for people. The, the reason we gather together as a church is we're directed and pointed towards the exaltation of Jesus. That one of the things that we have talked about in church is we've talked about what happens this way as we invite people in with their baggage and all the other things that I've said quite a few times now. But we do must come to a point whereby we're, we're, we're working that bit out but we've got to keep our focus this way as to why we exist and why we are here. And this table always brings us back, always brings us back as a church, as a people, as to why we are here. Because the reality is we can never move too far away from this. We can never take ourselves on a journey that, that moves us away. This is a great equaliser for each and every one of us. It's a great thing to come on a Sunday morning. And even if you've had a week whereby you, you haven't prayed much, if at all. You haven't read scripture uh, at all. Or maybe you, 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 you just feel as far away from God as, as you possibly can be. But taking a seat as we worship and looking at the table and what it represents, it draws us, it draws us, it compels us to think of God and what God has done for us, realising that each and every one of us have the opportunity to come to him and to say, God, would, would you forgive me? God, would you forgive me once again? I remember what you've done for me in your son going to the cross and, and really that's what this is about it's what Jesus said in those words he says do this in remembrance of me well one of the things I often say is we're we're we're, we're so good at forgetting aren't we? we we're reminded if I talked to you this morning and said can you remember the important dates husbands can you remember your wedding anniversary yeah, some nobody's putting their hand up here, but you can you remember your way? Can you remember those important things? Why? Because often we're we're so good at forgetting. And I think Jesus set this in place because he realized that we would be so good, we as people are so good at forgetting the goodness 
that has been poured out upon our lives through what Jesus Christ has done. And he almost, and see the night that he does it, he sits with his disciples and he takes what is there after they've had the meal and says, take this bread, take this wine. Do this in remembrance of me. Continue it on. We're only continuing it on this morning, what has been done that first night uh, at the Last Supper when Jesus is in the upper room. We continue that on this morning. Why? As a reminder to be drawn to the remembrance. Simply, we didn't do any of this ourselves. I didn't make myself good enough for God to love me. I didn't earn the grace or mercy that he had. And it draws me back to, to that uh, this morning as it draws all of us you see Jesus Christ took the bread he broke it and it simply represents his willingness to lay down his life to suffer to die in the room of, of the, these people the disciples that were there that gathered but Christ he, he broke bread that everyone might have part he was telling the disciples do this in remembrance of me you boys are the ones that are going out to spread this around the world he says, go and make disciples. But remember what we did here because making disciples and everything else that goes along with what we do in church has to come back to this point. This is what makes us church. This is what makes us believers in the body of Christ. This that we do together as we gather together this morning. Jesus' body was broken even though no bones were broken. But we can imagine the anguish and the torture and the pain that he went through for each and every one of us. No more so than when he cries out onto the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As a, as a call out of the abandonment that he must have felt and loneliness that he must have felt at that point after being through everything that he'd been through. The purpose that God had given him to be the saviour of the world. And we see all of that that, it, that he goes through. And you see, the Lord's Supper, just to give us some background just quickly, because this helps us this morning, because one of the things I want to do is talk about what, what, what this is about, but also what this isn't about as well. Because often in churches, we make a lot of stuff about what stuff isn't about. And what we want to do is get rid of the stuff that this isn't about and really focus on the stuff that this is about. And Jesus, in Matthew 26, verse 26 to 28, and we see really the, the say, he says, while they're eating, Jesus took bread and we'd given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. There's the wonderful purpose of why Jesus Christ came there in that last verse for the forgiveness of sins. There was a point in all of our lives as we gather, as we're here this morning, that our sins have been forgiven. We haven't moved away. We might think sometimes we are better than many people around us. But the reality is the difference in my life and the difference in your life is the grace of God has just touched our lives and it has set us free and it has cleansed us because of what Christ has done. So we're just going to take a moment just to, to have a look really of what this is not about. Because what, what does the Bible teach us uh, about this as we come to the table this morning? The first thing is this, is the name doesn't matter. You know in the Bible it is called the Lord's Supper. 
once the Lord's table once. It's mentioned as communion twice. It's called breaking the bread four times. If a certain name was important, the Bible would say so. The second thing we see is this is the place doesn't matter. The church is the people, not a place. Therefore, breaking bread can be done wherever the church is. This includes in people's houses, as we see in Acts 2, verse 46. We can break bread at any point. You know, you can in, in your marriage, with your family, with your friendship group. I often sometimes think personally, we probably don't do that enough, that we wait for the organised legalism of it to come and do it when we gather together as the church. But the reality is we, we are the church. And so therefore we can come at any point and break bread and, and, and share the cup and do, do that as an act of worship. We must always see our church services not as broken down into a time of worship where we sing a time of communion where we come and do the table and then the preacher gets up and preaches. Listen, the church service is an act of worship. It's a whole act of worship from beginning to the end. So those songs that we sing, the time we come to the table, and the word that we hear is all an act of worship. It's not broken down into what we think, oh, well, I like the worship, but oh, I don't really like the preacher. Matt goes on a bit, do you know what I mean? He says, listen, it's all an act of worship as we come uh, together. It says this will be a shocker for some people, but the type of bread doesn't matter. It says, nowhere in scripture does it says, go therefore and purchase a Belfast bap. <laughs> At the last supper, Jesus would have used unleavened bread, bread without yeast that does not rise. Probably similar to cream crackers. He used it because it was part of the Passover meal. The rest of the time, the Jews' bread contained yeast, and it was probably the best description is, is like a, a nan bread. That's probably the best description. Now, that might shock some people in here that we must make sure we get King's Mill or Hovis, but we don't have to. It says we come and we break bread. It's what it represents, and we must always keep that at, at the forefront. And, that. and it says the Bible doesn't specifically uh, specify what bread has to be used, so it, it doesn't matter. And we're moving through these because I want us to always understand that there are things that don't matter, and there are things that do matter. And we must make sure that everything we do within church has to be focused on the things that, that do matter. And as we see with the... Uh, the table, we see that the contents of the cup doesn't matter. You know, in every place that breaking of bread is mentioned, the Bible only talks about the cup. We know that at the Last Supper it contained a drink made from grapes. Jesus in Matthew 26, the verses we read, refers to it as the fruit of the vines. However, this is mentioned in passing, but the Bible doesn't tell us what to put in the cup. It says we use Robinson's apple and blackcurrant. We're sorry, but that's what we do. Well, to be fair, we use whatever's on offer in Tesco's at that particular point. Not, not, not to be unspiritual with people and stuff, but that, that's just the reality of what we use. We, we don't use wine. I, in my home church, I call my home church, but you know what I mean, church I grew up in Birmingham, they use, they use this wine that would take off your stomach lining. I mean, it would, it would you see people drink it, and it literally would just... Uh, uh, people, you know, when you drink something sour. And you know when people in the church have, have taken the wine, there's one eye closes, you know, when you drink something sour. And it's like that. And yeah, my church, my, I call it my church, my home church back in Birmingham, it says they made a decision a few years ago not to use real wine because there were so many people who had got saved from alcoholism in the church. 
And obviously the last thing you want to do as a church is kickstart somebody's drink problem again at the communion table. And we think to ourselves sometimes, oh, but it must be wine, Jesus used wine. But we've got to be real as well and practical. And, and so they made that decision. So actually, it doesn't matter. I have a friend who pastors out in India, and they have no such thing as, as you know, bread that's accessible. is, is 3,000 people in his church when they meet together on a Sunday morning for breaking of bread. He's told me, he says, we slice up bananas. He says, he says there are literally millions of them. There's literally millions. And he said, the reason we do that, he says, bread is so hard to come by where they are. But what they want to do is make sure that they are breaking, they are doing the communion service. They are doing this to, to worship Christ and what Christ has done for them. And so therefore they have to use what's accessible. And so we're missing the point sometimes if we're saying so much of this stuff matters when actually it, it doesn't because we'll come to what matters um, in a second. The way it's served uh, doesn't matter. It says some churches have strict traditions on who can serve who can touch the bread and the cup. The only instruction that Jesus gave was this, was take this, divide it amongst yourselves. You know, we're practical to have servers and hand the emblems out and stuff, but there, there, there's no set way. Uh, there's no set way for doing this. They said we would be in shock sometimes if we probably did things uh, uh, differently. You know, I always have shared this story before, particularly in the Bible study, uh, when it comes to women serving at the table. You know, years ago in this church, we, we allowed women to serve at the table on Mother's Day. Now, I looked in the Bible to see if it said that was okay anywhere, but it didn't. And so I thought to myself, well, why, why on Mother's Day is it okay for women to serve, but not at any other time of the year? And, you know, and it, it, it was just because of tradition. It was because of that. And actually, I'd get to the point where we simply said, well, well let's let the women serve at the table uh, as well. And, you know, and so we, we've done that. And we might think, oh, well, that's not very forward thinking. But at the time, it was forward thinking. But when we look at scripture, it actually doesn't say. Actually, simply, as long as you're born again, you know, as long as you're somebody who's born again and you can serve at the table, you can come forward and pray and give thanks to God for what he has done because when Jesus died on the cross, he, he didn't just die for the men, he died for the women as well. So the women have as much right to express their thanks and their gratitude and their blessing to God but for, their, for the goodness that he has shown in their lives. That's why this makes us equal. That's why when Jesus' body was broken for us, it was broken for each and every one of us. And he says, but often tradition gets in the way of what we want to do. The sick thing we see is this, is uh, when, when we break bread, doesn't matter. Acts 20 verse 7 implies it became a custom to break bread on a weekly basis. Acts 2.46, the first church implies it could be done daily. Neither is a command, but they do show that it is something that needs to be done quite often. The reason why is not the legalistic, it draws us back to what God has done for me and you in sending his son Jesus. And, and the way the emblems are displayed uh, simply doesn't matter. There was no command in scripture telling us how to display the emblems or, or what to drink them from or what to present them from or, or anything like that. You know, it, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing in scripture that tells us of that. On the night of the Last Supper, the bread and the cup were on a low table. 
that would have been lying on their sides uh, two with their head onto the left of the people as they go around the table as they pass this around it says that's the way they would have taken it on the first last supper I don't think we would be able to do that in this church if we were following scripture exactly where we all got up off our chairs and lay down on our left side and actually you needed to put your head really on the person next to you we can do that if you would like to try it it might be worth trying it once I think just seriously just to see what it's like uh, but that's the way they would have taken it so there was no way that the emblems displayed are, are really that significant Paul writes to the church in Corinth and the reason he gives these instructions that we read out every Sunday is simply because of this because it was a meal and in Corinth what was happening is because everybody was coming together the rich, the poor, the slaves people didn't like that so the rich were going in first they were eating all their food and not sharing it and when it came to the time of the supper there was nothing left for anybody so Paul writes his letter to them and says to them he says you really need to get your act together the one thing about the table is this is everybody's equal the rich, the poor, the slaves the whatever nationality people were as they came to that point and Jesus said and Paul says, says this is what matters these verses that we read he says if I receive from the Lord that which I passed on to you simply what Jesus did on the night that he was portrayed we're really coming to the end of our time now as we come to the table. But the bread and the cup are important symbols, but they're still just symbols. We must be aware of concentrating too much on them rather than on what they represent. What we have to do is focus on its significance as it simply relates to these three things for us this morning. The first one is this, is we take a look and it's the past because Jesus says it's a remembrance what are we remembering? Our redemption this morning from sin and condemnation. I am forgiven this morning. You are forgiven this morning. Of every sin you have ever committed, Jesus Christ took it upon the cross. I'm drawn to this table, not because I'm a good person, not because I hold the position of a pastor, not because of any other reason other than this. I was a sinner. Jesus Christ forgave me. I remember that as I come to the table this morning and take the bread and the wine. It says, we are confronted simply this morning with the saving death of Jesus Christ, the only man who died and rose again. We are remembering, and we will do this this morning after the table, we're simply remembering with thanksgiving. We're not coming to present our request to God and say, God, we're in the middle of this sticky situation at the moment, we need your help. But we, there's other times to pray that. He says at the table, this is thanksgiving. This is coming to say thank you for what you have done for me, for each and every one of us. But God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I could not be any further away from God at the point that I was the worst of the worst, the most terrible person there was in my life, an absolute total wreck sinner. I said it was that point God sent Jesus Christ to die for me. And he says, that's what I remember this morning. That's what I remember when I come to the table this morning. We are remembering with thanksgiving. The second thing we are doing is we are coming and it's what happens in the present. It's a fellowship. It's a fellowship with Christ, but also other believers. It unites us 
with Christ and with others, with everybody that's around here. We're united this way, but we're united that way as well. And we come together, and not like the church in Corinth, where we allow the rich to come forward first, and the educated to come forward first, and then allow the poor and the slaves to have anything if it's left at the end. We, we don't do that. We don't need to do that. I says we're not commanded to do that. We come this morning, and it's a fellowship, one with another, but most importantly with Jesus Christ as we come this morning. You see, we reaffirm the lordship of Christ in our lives, the commitment to do his will, to remain loyal to him and resist sin. This is almost a great place I always find the table to reaffirm our commitment to Christ. It's almost, God, is, a, is there anything that needs to be sorted? Is there anything that needs to be done? Let a man examine himself. Let a man see if, if, if before he comes to this, it's not just as there's no magic in this. There's no magic that sometimes people think if I take this and take this, it will deal with what's going on. Well, there's no magic. It represents something, what Christ has done by dying on the cross. And so therefore we do all the examining and we do all of that beforehand as we come to the table because this is about thanksgiving in remembrance of what Christ has done. It says the third thing we see is this, and it's the future. It's a foretaste. Says the end of the passage, it tells us when we, we do this, we, we proclaim his death until he comes. It says that's what we proclaim his death. It says this is about the simple truth that he's coming back again, that he's already been and he came as saviour and he's ascended to heaven, but there will be a day that he comes back again. And this is a foretaste of the kingdom that is to come because it says we will proclaim his death till, till he comes again. That, that may well be through our worship. That may well be through our prayers of thanksgiving. That may well be our commitment to attend the breaking of bread service, which we encourage everybody to do, every, every born-again believer who wants to go on with God, no matter how much, um, how much you read, how much you study, it says you've got to be present at this because this, this is what Christ wants us to do, to remember the past, to fellowship in the present, but also to give us a foretaste of the future in proclaiming his death until he comes. See, we proclaim it. This is my body, he said. It represents his body. The cup represents the blood of the new covenant, the new agreement, because in the past, the Old Testament, it was, just, it was through the priest. It, it, it was nobody could come close to God. Jesus went to the cross and it says there was a new covenant and it's illustrated, illustrated and represented by the forgiveness of sins so we can approach and have access to God. It's like we've got a way in. It's like we've got an invitation and nobody can take that invitation away from us because Jesus is the one that has purchased that invitation. It's a foretaste of that. You see, Jesus' death on the cross ushered in this new covenant between God and us. Read this last week and I thought it was very appropriate. The Lord demands that we do it all. The gospel declares that Jesus paid it all. We come this morning because he has paid it all. We come this morning because his body was broken for me and you. The anguish, the suffering, the, the, the abandonment, the loneliness, 
the desertion of his disciples. I often think of this, Jesus experienced absolutely every feeling that was possible, that was known to man. He experienced it either on the journey to the cross or on the cross because just how he would know just so as if Hebrews said that he, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, who've been tempted in every way. I said, I'd like to think that Christ went through absolutely everything in this brokenness, in, in this state that he was in, to go to that cross. So, so when we feel and we go through the stuff that we go through, we can never say, he doesn't know how I feel and he doesn't know what's going on. He does. Because he's experienced it all in that journey of going to the cross for me and you. And we, we bring it back down to this. We bring it back down to participating at the table. We remember because we forget so easy. We're drawn back to these symbols of the bread and the wine and what they represent. To remind us, to remind me, to remind you of what's been done for each and every one of us. Can you imagine where we would be this morning had we not been saved? Can you imagine what our lives would be like today had God not broken in and saved you and me? I tell you, there would be some of us that probably wouldn't even be alive. There would be some of us who would have wrecked our lives and left a trail of devastation in our life. But thank God he sent Jesus so he could save us and we could be forgiven. And everything that he went through, we went through for you and for me. Just before Athena comes and leads us at the table, let's just pray. Father, we're reminded this morning because Lord, we're not at the rejoicing point at the moment. We're at the remembering point. We're reflecting, Lord, on what you have done for us in sending your son, Jesus Christ, to save us because you loved us so we could be forgiven. And Father, we come around this table this morning. And Father, we come and we just take a moment to think. We just take a moment to reflect. We just take a moment to push out everything else that is in our lives at the moment the busyness in our, in our heads and the, the, the anxiety in our minds and the stuff that's going on and we take a moment to focus on the table to focus on what this represents for you and for me Father we thank you this morning we thank you this morning Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, Lord.